Hello and welcome to another episode of the Future Hospitality Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Wells, joined today by co-host Dustin Myers. We are partners at Longitude Branding, a hospitality branding and experience design agency. At Future Hospitality, our goal is to interview the brightest minds in the industry, gathering insights, ideas, and inspiration to share with you. In today's episode, we talk with Lisa Hod, lead designer and founder of PDG Studios. Lisa is an expert in livable luxury. She's built PDG Studios into a hospitality design powerhouse with projects ranging from the Roosevelt Waldorf Astoria in New Orleans to the award-winning Portland Marriott downtown. We'll talk with Lisa about the values that shape her team's work, ideas for finding new ways to tell old stories, and her plans for shaping the future of hospitality. Well, let's go ahead and dive in. Lisa, thank you so much for making the time to um, chat with us. We're really excited about this conversation. Great. Thank you. It's great to be here today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, we had come across some of your work, um, some of your interior design work, and we're just really impressed, wanted to get to know you more, um, learn more about your team and your process. And so, um, just to start out, for those who maybe aren't familiar with PG, PDG Studios, could you give us a, a quick background and kind of how you got to where you are at this point? Sure. Um, so I started the firm 19 years ago. It'll be 20 years next September, which is kind of scary in itself to think <laughs> it through, right? Um yeah, I just I started in college. I got the bug for hospitality, just you know, as you start studying the different disciplines in design. And um, I actually met my mentor in college and did an internship with her and uh, worked for her right out of school and just fell in love with the industry. And I haven't really looked back since. Um, Worked for a couple of different places and then finally got enough courage to kind of go out on my own and um, start the firm. And it's just been, you know, steady growth since then to, to build the company that it is today. And, and I think um, even especially this year of all years, you know, we've, we've seen evolution and um, I think you learn a lot over time. And um, as a result, you know, now it's kind of, I feel like this year has been kind of a launching pad of just switching again a little bit, like you change it up a little bit and you, um, I mean, the core principles are always there of who you are and what you do, but how you are able to do it and, and get it out and um, all of that changes a little bit. And we've all had to adjust a little to stay at home and working from home and working from a team environment that's a little bit different than what we normally would do, but it's all about adapting and it's been a fun journey. So um, yeah, so we, we're still here and we love it. Yeah. I think we've all kind of everyone in the industry and, and, you know, pretty much throughout the world has kind of had to adapt and adjust and pivot in a lot of different ways uh, mm-hmm. during this time. Um, yeah. Over over the past few months, I mean, what are some ways or changes or or things you've had to adjust in your own business or just in the way that you work? Um, you know, as you you're serving your clients and you're helping these projects go through. Mm-hmm. So the the biggest thing that's changed, obviously, is you, we're not necessarily going in our office space anymore. Um, everyone's kind of adjusted to working from home. Um, 
you know, with the stay at home orders, you know, obviously we all packed up and whatever projects you had, you brought that project box home with you as long as, you know, as well as your computer and your printer and all these things. So that part was a little bit different, you know, and the fact that we weren't physically in the building anymore and, and able to touch, feel, see each other on a daily basis. But um, we quickly adapted. And I think, you know, I'm really fortunate. I have this amazing team that um, adapted really well to the process. And, you know, we were already kind of used to doing FaceTime calls and and were constantly in conversation with one another. But um, we just kind of rolled with it. And, you know, we switched um, some of our programs around that we were using. We were already on the cloud with all of our software and everything. So that wasn't any different than what we do. Um, I mean, we live in Houston, so we have to be able to adapt, you know, if there's a hurricane or a power outage um, so we can adjust. But, you know, the other part was just kind of getting used to um, designing a little bit differently. And uh, now, you know, we do team calls um, for collaboration on drawings and such. And we've actually found that it's worked out even better than it was when we were in the office. Kind of funny. Um, and then when it comes to us actually doing design selections and what have you, again, it's a lot of FaceTime and um, collaboration on um, Teams. And we've implemented a new software program that we're using for project management that I'm in love with. Um, they jokingly say it was built for me because I'm a, I'm a list person, but I'm like a person that likes to put post-it notes all over everything. And that's once it's done, you rip the post-it note off. And so we jokingly say that this is, you know, built for my brain because um, I can tick off the boxes and assign things to it. And it's, it's been great. Um, so that's been the biggest thing. But, you know, like I said, we've kind of rolled with the punches and, and kept going. Um, a lot of our work is all over the U.S. So we're already kind of used to doing conference calls with our clients and um, the other thing that we weren't necessarily doing is going to the job sites as much because obviously we couldn't really travel as, as freely as we would have been. So we did a lot of um, FaceTime calls with contractors, which um, that's kind of interesting in itself at times. But um, I think everyone's just kind of rolled with it and, and just made it work. And then we haven't really skipped a beat, awesome. so which has been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... So it sounds like you guys, your team is is a pretty collaborative, kind of close knit team. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, how would you describe the, the type of team culture you're trying to develop at PDG? And you know, how has that, um, you know, maybe been affected for the good or for the bad right. over the last uh, few months? Um, if anything, it's gotten better. I would say. Um, again, we believe really strongly in collaboration. Uh, we feel everybody has a voice and we should use it, you know, within um, everyone's able to throw ideas out on the table and, and we talk through it. Um, I am notorious. I, I don't sleep well sometimes. So I'm notorious for searching for things in the middle of the night and then their inbox gets a little in flooded in the morning. But um, we'll get on that call in the morning and kind of go through it as we're brainstorming concepts and ideas and, and all of that. And, you know, we just, um, yeah, we just, we do a lot of laughter and joy and, and um, communication. And we try to, you know, have like a fun call once a week with the team where we do just little team building things through Zoom calls of a scavenger hunt in your house or um, crazy little games that we do. It's just, just lots of laughter and fun and, um, 
you know, just being ourselves. And of course we can squeeze in dark chocolate and wine every once in a while. We will, but uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, I think, I think it really is a situation where we have, we're all just very like-minded people, right? We just love what we do. I mean, obviously there's days that are more challenging than others. You know, sometimes with deadlines or some crazy thing that happens at the job site that you have to scramble and figure out how to fix quickly or whatever. But um, for the most part, you know, I'm really fortunate. I have an amazing group of girls that I work with and, um, and we just, we enjoy what we do and, and we respect one another and we just really love working together and, and have a lot of respect for each other. You know, nothing is a silly question. Nothing is a silly idea. We throw it all out on the table and, and brainstorm and think it through and, and figure it out. And you know, everyone has their different strengths and weaknesses and somehow it all works together and makes a great team. Yeah. I, I love some of those ideas and practical ways that you um, develop your team. I feel like yeah. teams that are, are truly connected and going in the same direction. You can see that in the work that comes out. Um, just mm-hmm. like the laughter and joy that you mentioned. Um, I think it's apparent when you see really good outcomes that um, there's a cohesive team behind that. So, um, Right, right. And I'm not going to say we're perfect because we are not. I mean, just like a family dynamic, right? You have good days and bad days. But at the end of the day, you know, I believe core values of um, and even who I am, right? And and it's like, I believe that you have to live your life with grace and compassion and be authentic and honest and fair. And and I treat my team the same way. You know, the, the way I treat my dog or the way I treat my friends, it's all the same. That's kind of a core value, I would say, or a foundation point to the company. And um, I think that comes through, you know, just even in our day-to-day and, and how we um, work together. And, you know, I believe in being transparent with them. You know, when we started into the pandemic, you know, it was scary for everybody. I mean, there is no if and buts about it. I think everyone kind of had a deer in a headlight moment. And I was just very honest with them and I was transparent with them. And together, I was like, we're going to figure this out. But, you know, give us all some grace and compassion and and we'll work together and we'll get to the other side. And we have. And it's 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 been a really interesting um, period of time. But if anything, I think it made us, even as a team, stronger um, because you are forced you are forced to work together a little bit differently than you would have before. And uh, I think it also gives a different level of respect for everybody because, you know, it's not like you're looking at it going, oh, the boss is so disconnected and just immediately wants to get everybody in the chopping block to save the dollars, you know, or whatever. And that was not the case. The case was, how do we work together? How do we get to this other side? You know, these are the facts and this is what I'm thinking. Um, you know, do you guys have any ideas or thoughts that differ from that? But this is kind of the direction I'm heading and I've done the research and I've spoke to the consultants and whatever it might be. And and they, I think they, in the end, have been very responsive of that. And I think also um, appreciated the fact that there was transparency to it. Nothing was hidden, you know, and you know, sometimes the best way to do the analogy, I guess, is when you have a child, you know, some things you tell your child, other things you don't, but you don't sugarcoat it, right? You just, sometimes you don't give them every little detail, but they at least know the basics, right? And um, and I think that there's a, just a different bond that comes out of that. Um, so, 
like I said, I'm just really thankful I have the team that I have and they've been really great. And the same with our clients. They've been really awesome to work with during this process. So yeah, just get to the other side. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, from a work perspective, what do you think, uh, what's your mindset? What are your main goals and influences when you take on a new project? What are what are some of your goals and kind of methodologies behind making each project unique and standing out as PDG? Well, um, I think one of the biggest takeaways is that, you know, we believe or I believe very strongly that every project we do has a unique story that needs to be told. And that's, I love the everything in the design process, but one of my favorite parts of the design process is in the beginning when you're figuring it out. What is that story? I love doing the research and I love, you know, kind of digging deep into that location, the culture, the history of the building or um, unique little things that are um, in that city or in that region. And then it becomes this mission of, okay, well, how do we now incorporate and create this story and what does that look like and then how does that come out into the design and what are those components that go with it so I think that um, it's all about details and um, creativity and just you know putting that all together and I think something that you see as a consistent little nugget in all of our projects is that unique kind of boutique feel like it's it's very residential and homey feeling, but yet it's in a hospitality setting and um, it's comfortable and it's engaging and it's inviting and it makes you want to linger and it makes you want to come back and stay. And I think that is something that, you know, is um, unique for our firm and that we do really well. Um, And it's, you know, and you're seeing, even if you look at some of our projects as we more and more keep getting rolled out, you know, you're starting to see more and more of that uniqueness coming through, um, which again, like you said earlier, it goes back to that cohesiveness in your team. You know, you're all working together and putting several heads together makes all the difference in the world of um, coming up with a great outcome. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Uh, and, and looking at your portfolio and, and the work that you've done, it's, you know, it's definitely apparent that you guys are really just knocking it out of the park with the, that boutique, like always, you know, been lived in type of a vibe uh, for these these properties mm-hmm. you're helping. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. I'd be curious to know, like, maybe some examples of, you know, how you've kind of integrated this approach and this methodology in a, in a successful way for a property. And then also, I'd be curious, you know, at, early in your career, and as you're kind of, um, you know, uh, going through, you know, the, the grind of, you know, being a new designer in a new field and, you know, out of, out of college or whatever, like what were some lessons that you learned the hard way to get to this point where you now have (laughs) this, this dialed in, like, you know, you guys are doing amazing work now, but I'm sure it took some, you know, difficult times to get to that point. Yeah. So lessons learned. It's so funny you say that. I, um, I think we're always learning every day, but even with my own team, we had this conversation just this week about a lesson that one of my teammates learn. Um, You know, I think the thing is that we're all human and realistically errors are going to happen. And, you know, whether it might be a small little error that's easy to fix and easy to catch, 
um, before it goes into implementation, or sometimes you don't catch it until it's been implemented, and then you have to kind of figure out how to do it. Um, but we're human. And I will tell you, if you ever make a mistake, you probably aren't going to forget the error that you made. Um, you know, I've had in the past, I had a designer one time um, completely specify the wrong size piece of art that was going into every single guest room. And it was a problem. <laughs> and I can assure you, she never forgot again, ever to double check drawings before um, art went in a room. Uh, because that was not an error that was ever made again. Um, but it's things like that. You know, even when I was a young designer, I made errors. You know, you you have furniture that's not quite right dimension-wise or, you know, seat height that's off or, um, like I said, a piece of art that doesn't quite fit or, you know. I mean, and sometimes you can joke about it afterwards and other times you're like, oh, wow, that was a really big mistake and we got to fix that. But once you've done it once, you typically don't do it again. You kind of learn from that as a lesson learned and, and go from there. Um, so that, that's, you know, early on, that was something I learned uh, and every young designer, I think learns it. And uh, the other part of that is, you know, you're human and it's going to happen. And when you do make the mistake, you own up to, it. you don't, you, you don't sugarcoat it and try to, you know, brush underneath the covers. It's kind of like, Nope, we made the error. And, and now we got to help you figure out how to resolve the error. So there's that part of it. And I think that, um, you know, when I started the firm, obviously when it first began, it was, you know, myself as a single designer. So if there was any errors being made, it was my own darn fault. Um, and then, like I said, as you go with time and evolve and you hire other people, there are sometimes younger staff members and, and things happen and things get missed or whatever. But that's part of my job too, is to mentor and to teach and to um, review and and have safeguards in place to try to catch those types of things um, so they don't happen. So I guess that answer is probably the one question. Um, yeah, so I the mean, other... fast forward, you know, now to, to recent years and you guys are mm-hmm. just, you know, you have a pretty well-oiled machine and, you know, like you said, people are all, we're always learning, you know, lessons every day. But what are some mm-hmm. ways, you know, that you've recently, you know, in, in recent years found success in telling these unique stories and, you know, solving these problems for your, your clients? Um, so I think, you know, I think part of it is you have to sometimes have that open mind and creativity. Um, probably one of the biggest things we run into is, you know, we're creative people. So we're going to always think outside the box a little bit. And then we have to get even more creative when, um, the budget hits and you go, oh, wait, we can't afford all these things or that's coming in way more expensive than we thought it would be. Um, then we really have to get creative to figure out how do we still get that design intent that we wanted, but at an affordable rate, you know, because not everybody has that open checkbook. And so uh, I think, again, it just goes back to, you know, being open to suggestions, working with your team and your team not being just internally the PDGS team, but also incorporating the contractor and and the consultants and the owner, um, because we're all going to bring different things to the table and different suggestions. And, you know, we are all trying to get to the same end of the finish line. Um, I also think too that personally, I, I feel like as a designer, you know, we we don't need to carry an ego with us and we just need to be again, open and honest and, and open to ideas. Um, 
I by far am not an expert in all of these fields. And, you know, I've learned a lot over the years, just working with contractors and mill workers and cabinetry people and carpenters. And, you know, um, sometimes, you know, again, you might have this really great, fabulous idea of this intricate detail that you want above the bar. And they're like, yeah, that's not going to happen because of this, this, and this. Um, so you have to work together to figure out how to make that happen and, and still get the design intent you want. And I think, um, again, I think that's where you just, over years, you just learn to, you know, trust that it takes a village to build these buildings and to finish these spaces out. And, you know, while we might be one little component of it, maybe an important component of it, so are so many others that do it as well. And um, together, we all make that boutique feel in the end you know we have the vision and and all of that that we have to work together to figure out how to implement um, and sometimes you really have to stretch to get creative um, on how to make it all happen you know we did a job in Hawaii and the island it was on I, I mean the only option we had was the local Lowe's and a Costco literally and that was it <laughs> and so you know every single piece of furniture and millwork, um, you know, right down to the, the bar itself was built. We didn't have any local craftsmen that could build any of that. And it was difficult to, you know, pay for some of these specialty trades to, to go over there and, and just work on site and build it on site like we normally would anywhere else. And so that particular project we built all of it actually in LA with a fabricator and then put it on a boat, sent it over. And then what they sent one or two people over to basically assemble the kit apart, um, you know, at the property. And you can already guess there's going to be its own little sets of um, issues and problems that go with it because if the dimension's not quite right or, or the field condition's not quite what she thought it was going to be, even though you've measured it 52 times, um, you had to kind of adjust in the field and you kind of had to MacGyver a few things. Um, again, when you only have Costco and, and the local loads with limited stuff um, to work with, it, it became a little challenging at times, but um, we made it through and it turned out to be a great property and, and the millwork was beautiful when it was finished, but it definitely was one of those. Um, it took a village to make that one happen. And, you know, that, that was great. So, I mean, that's, I think that's, again, I think that's part of our job. You know, we just have to learn how to adapt and adjust and be willing to, um, you know, make suggestions or, or compromises in areas at times um, because things happen and, you know, all different situations occur and you adjust and go with the flow. Yeah, for sure. As you talk about your process, there's a lot of similarities in what we do as a branding agency. Um, just starting with the story and figuring out what are you trying to communicate and then um, starting to piece together different design ideas and solutions that are going to kind of carry that through and um, achieve the end goal. Mm -hmm. the, the hospitality industry and projects, there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of stakeholders, um, a lot of different opinions. Um, what are some of the ways that you have, or I guess, what are some good examples of times when projects all came together and 
um, the final vision came to pass in, in the way that you hoped? And what are some times that maybe there was conflict or disjointed visions and kind of how did you navigate that? Um, wow, that's a really great question. <laughs> so disjointed, you know, I think that comes to play if, um, if an owner is not an owner or a brand, let's say, is not necessarily in alignment with um, the direction we're heading. And, you know, we've had a few projects that have kind of fallen into that category. You know, ownership has one idea and maybe they're not being very clear in that communication to the rest of the team. So therefore you're going to have problems, right? It's, it's not, it's not going to be a nice fluid process. Um, and the same sometimes happens with the brand. You know, we, we as in design team and ownership might be united in the direction we're heading, but maybe the brand thinks it's a little different direction and, and they might be a little bit more forceful with, um, what they're wanting and where they're going or what they're wanting it to go in that direction or whatever. And so, you know, there's more redesign and adjustments that happen. And I think that, again, it kind of goes back to some of the core principles that I talked about earlier for us, you know, I believe in um, listening to everybody's opinions and listening to their voice. And when it makes sense, you implement accordingly. Um, And sometimes you have to, kind of put your, you definitely have to put your ego to the side and you have to put your feelings sometimes aside because it's not a personal attack on you. It truly is, you know, you guys are just trying to work together to figure out what is that end result that we're wanting, right? And how do we get there? And, um, and I tell my team that all the time too. Like, even if I'm doing critique on a presentation they're making to me, it's like, guys, I'm not attacking you. And like, yes, maybe you love that purple polka dotted fabric, but the reality is it doesn't work for this situation and here's why. Um, so let's maybe go reevaluate and pick this, this, and this instead. And it's the same way. I think you just have to be open to those suggestions. And if there is something that you feel very strongly about, you know, that is an integral part of the design then, you know, maybe I'll push a little harder on trying to get that one particular element through. But then I maybe will compromise somewhere else because it's not as important in that regard um, on whatever it might be. Um, and and sometimes you just kind of have to adjust the vision a little bit as you're moving forward. But, you know, again, I don't, I don't believe in being confrontational and ugly and mean. You know, I, I'm going to sit there and, and listen to um, that person's wishes and desires, and then you just adjust accordingly. Um, just because I came out with, you know, I dreamed up this idea or this vision, or my team dreamed up this vision for the property, but you're not totally sold on it, doesn't mean that we're going to keep trying to push that down your throat. We're going to listen to what you're wanting, what, what your thoughts are, and then we adjust accordingly. And if that means we have to redesign something, we redesign that thing. Um, because, you know, we want everybody to be happy with the outcome. So that's kind of how I approach it, whether it's right or wrong. I don't know, but, um, that's kind of how we do things. And, you know, and I think that many times, you know, we're really lucky and fortunate that, you know, we've hit it, we've listened well enough, or we've, we've heard 
you know, we, we've asked all the right questions in those preliminary meetings um, that when we come into that first meeting of our concept and our mood pages that, you know, we've pretty much hit it out of the park and we've, we've gotten it what they want it to be and where it should be going. You know, it might be a tweak here and there, but it's not, you know, completely off base. They're, they're like, yep, we like the vision you're going with and this is great. Um, and so, you know, but again, it's a fluid process. And I think being open to suggestions um, and commentary is important. Um, and that's part of the process. Lisa, um, kind of shifting gears here, um, you know, looking forward to the the future of the industry. I know a mm-hmm. lot of people, I'm, I'm sure you guys are just kind of wondering what the recovery will continue to look like um, and, you know, what, how long it'll take and what it'll look like when it's all said and done. You know, this, the pandemic has done a number on, on our industry in a lot mm-hmm. of different ways. Um, you know, as it, as it relates to what you guys do um, with interior design and, and, how you guys are solving these problems. How do you foresee that, um, you know, the future of, of what you do changing, um, different considerations you need to make or, you know, uh, different ideas that need to be, um, you know, presented um, to guests and to ownership and things like that? Mm-hmm. Well, we definitely all have been impacted and um, it's incredibly um, humbling and sad to see how how bad we've been impacted, right? I mean, there's firms that have closed doors and, and, and companies that have closed doors that will never come back, which is really sad. Um, and others of us that are hanging on by, <laughs> by our fingertips, but we're still here. Um, I think that moving forward, you know, it's probably going to still be a little bit of a bumpy road for a while, you're probably going to have ebbs and flows a little bit um, as, you know, this virus still kind of moves around the world and probably will until we kind of get a vaccine and normalcy, whatever you want to call normal anymore, um, put in place. But with that being said, people are starting to get out again and travel. Um, I heard the other day that this past weekend was like, the biggest number they'd had going through the airport in since like February um, in one weekend, you know, it was, it was like, people are starting to move. People are, are wanting to get out and do things and obviously within safety zones. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, everyone's just wanting to move on and embrace this is what life is today. And so how do we adjust and keep adapting and, and move forward? I think as designers, we are challenged a little bit more um, in the designs that we are doing now or in the products we are specifying and that we need to make sure people feel and, and understand that the product is clean and safe and not harboring germs and um, or holding um, a virus in it or whatever. So, you know, I think the selections we're making, like fabrics, you know, are they easy to clean? Are they bleachable? Do they have, um, do they hold a germ or, a, you know, whatever it might be? I mean, luckily, technology has moved so much further forward when it comes to fabrics that things automatically have, you know, some sort of a um, sanitary side to it. You know, it used to be just in healthcare, but it's it's rolled over into hospitality now and, and it keeps getting better and better every single day. Um, the same with what are the products we're using, you know, 
um, using quartz and using natural materials and surfaces that are easy to clean um, just helps reassure to the guest that's in that environment that what they're touching is is not harboring um, germs sitting on that surface for a longer period of time and um, and just kind of thinking through that process a little bit. Um, the same with, you know, when we're laying out spaces now, you know, everyone is socially distanced, so we're not necessarily spacing every single chair six feet apart because that would be a pretty sparse little lobby. Um, but just, you know, being very thoughtful with how we are laying the space out, providing maybe more zones of areas or intimate seating spots so that if you are a small little group of two or four people, it's easy for you to kind of huddle in your little area and then you're still distanced from maybe somebody else that's in the adjacent area. So I think just kind of, you know, working through those components um, is important and um, something that, you know, we just kind of keep implementing into all of our, our designs and, um, and we just keep adjusting, you know, every day, I think it changes a little bit more and, and we just have to adjust accordingly. Um, I mean, just like, Schools are having to adjust and, um, you know, everywhere else that we touch, feel and see, right. It, it, everyone's just kind of adapting to the new criteria and eventually it'll just become normal again. Yep, absolutely. Um, we're all just kind of figuring it out as we go and, uh, making adjustments. And, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, like you said, it, it does seem like people are, um, getting more comfortable moving around and, uh, resuming right. some normalcy. So that's really right. exciting. I mean, I see that. Yeah. And I even see it with my own daughter, you know, it's kind of funny um, kids, you know, they go to school, like my daughter, she wears her mask and she goes to school and all of that. And it's one of those things where she doesn't even think twice about it. She just grabs the mask, walks out the door, puts it on her face. She's good to go. You know, we, we, as the adults are probably kicking and screaming a little bit more <laughs> about wearing the mask at times. <laughs> But, um, but for them, it's normal now. Like they don't think twice about it. They just put it on and, and go on with their merry day and they don't complain about it. And it just is what it is. Um, so I think, you know, I think it's all about being open to, um, adapting and, you know, just like if you think back, you know, the industrial revolution when it happened and all of that, you know, there were definitely times when, um, I'm sure those people, resisted change as well. Um, you know, think about it. major changes happened when suddenly people had light bulbs and indoor plumbing and, you know, all these other things that happened. Right. And so that was a big adjustment and we're kind of doing the same thing. This is our own version of the industrial revolution to some extent, and we're being forced to adapt and adjust and change, um, to whatever the new norm is going to be. Um, and that's, it's scary, but it's good, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, as with the title of this podcast, Future Hospitality, we we always ask our last question, um, just what are you personally excited about as you look to the future? I know 2021 is kind of a major reset, refresh year for a lot of people, mm-hmm. a lot of businesses. Um, mm-hmm. What are you excited about as you look to the future? Well, I'm excited for a vaccine to come about and <laughs> for people to not be sick all the time, right? That would be great. Um, you know, it's definitely been 
it's been really um, sad and humbling, right, to see all that's happened in a year. Uh, I think that, you know, I'm excited to see how hospitality is going to continue to evolve um, and adjust for all of this, right? And and how we are going to continue to adapt with technology and what does that look like? Um, and how we all just kind of embrace and, and move forward, you know, I don't know that we're ever going to, well, who knows, maybe we're going to have a life like the Jetsons where, you know, we have a robot named Rosie and, and everything is automated and all of that. Who knows? That would be awesome. Um, it would be awesome, right? I, I could totally have a Rosie in my house right now. It'd be awesome. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, just, you know, again, just when you kind of think back and reflect a little bit, even in the past two years, how much is something has changed, right? Alexa is everywhere. Everything is automated with a smart house and, and all of those things. And it's all moving so fast moving forward. Um, and it'll be interesting to see again, a year from now, what does that look like? Um, so I think the, the future in hospitality is going to be um, something we probably can't even imagine right now, but I think it's going to be amazing. And I think that there are also a lot of um, a lot of people probably have spent this past year kind of reflecting and thinking about how to make things better than they were before um, and are challenging all of us to even one up it a little bit. Right. And so um, and I also think, you know, the future is going to be us being a little bit more adaptive um, and probably uh, a little bit more, you know, intentional with, with, with whatever decisions we're making. Right. Um, I know for me, you know, I think when all this happened, you know, I became a little bit more intentional with how much time I was working and when I was actually present with my daughter and what we were doing and how we were doing it. And sometimes, you know, it didn't necessarily mean we needed to hurry up and go somewhere to go do something. Sometimes just sitting and playing a game or snuggling up and watching a movie together was so much better than, than what we thought would have been better. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that, you know, I think a lot of it's going to be a lot of a reset in many ways, but I think a good reset. Um, so I'm excited for the future. I'm excited to see how we're all going to continue to evolve and grow and, um, you know, what's going to happen next. And so, and I think we're all a little anxious to be able to travel freely amongst the world <laughs> again. Um, so, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing with us. Um, we love your mindset, your approach to projects, and um, the results are obviously beautiful and excellent. How can people um, learn more about PDG and stay in touch with you? Well, you can certainly follow us on social media. Um, our handle is PDG Studios underscore IG. Um, so that's a great way to find us. And we have stuff posting every day and links to um, blogs and all sorts of fun things. Um, and of course, you can certainly go visit us on our website um, and connect to us that way. And we would love to hear you uh, hear from you. Um, and that is uh, www.pdg-studios.com. And, you know, we would just, it would just be great, you know, just to work alongside others and keep moving forward. 
All right, Lisa, thank you so much. Great. Thanks, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Future Hospitality Podcast. If you enjoyed today's topic and episode, please leave us a review. You can also find us on Instagram at Future Hospitality and on Facebook by searching for Future Hospitality. 